as we begin this morning, a uh, new study, uh, we are going to be looking at Proverbs. I'm calling it Proverbs for Life, which is really just redundant when you think about it, but Proverbs for Life rolls off the tongue. It sounds nice. So we'll go with that. Uh, but Proverbs, and we will look at specifically some Proverbs uh, together over the coming weeks. But this morning, I want to start with verse chapter 1, which is a good place to start when you study something. Uh, Proverbs chapter 1. Proverbs chapter 1. And this really sets the stage for the book of Proverbs and really just for the idea of wisdom in general. But let's read Proverbs chapter 1, verses 1 through 7 as we begin. The word of the Lord says this. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. To understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. And so we start out the book of Proverbs really with understanding why it's important to have wisdom and fear of the Lord, because it runs through this list. If you just look at verses 2 through 7, uh, really 2 through 6, there's this list of things we need in life. Uh, what are we supposed to do when difficulties arise, when we have difficult family situations happen, when someone asks us for guidance, or someone is stuck and doesn't know what to do, what are you going to say in that moment? Uh, are you going to be able to say something at all or say something instructive and helpful uh, from the Word of God? And that just gets at the idea of giving counsel. And in order to do that, this passage points us to wisdom, that we need wisdom, but it points us to the fear of the Lord as being the foundation of that. And so we're really focusing this morning on the fear of the Lord. Because as we think about uh, counsel and having wisdom and instruction, right, we remember those things aren't just for us. We need those things. Uh, but the people around us need those things as well. And so we remember that every Christian really is supposed to uh, be involved in that process of wisdom, of being wise themselves and of being able to give wisdom or give counsel to others around them. Uh, usually in our culture, we think about counsel or counseling as like a professional thing, right? You, you have to go to the professional to get counseling. Uh, and there are times where that's, that's what we need. Counseling, uh, sometimes you think about it in terms of like general practitioners and uh, surgeons who are specialized in certain things, right? Sometimes we need that specialized surgeon who's specialized in that specific thing to help in a situation. Uh, but as Christians, we remember that 
counsel and wisdom is the, is the realm of God, that God gives counsel, he gives wisdom. And so really we should be able to look to him and be able to help fellow Christians uh, to grow in those things. So as we kind of think about that, here's a situation to get us thinking. And I've thought about this question, so <laughs> uh, let's say God does a mighty work in our church. Let's say our church has, let's just think big, 50 people over the next year who come to know the Lord. Amen. That would be amazing. We pray for that. We, we look forward to that, uh, to the Lord working. <coughs> that would not only be amazing and reason to praise the Lord, but it would also create a lot of uh, opportunities and unique challenges that we would face because we have a lot of newborn Christians, right? They're born again. They're babies in Christ. So as we think about that and we think about those possibilities of what we want to see God do, we also ask the question, would we be able to help those newborn Christians mature in their faith? And uh, would, we, would we know what is important and essential to the Christian life to be able to help them focus on those things? Would we, essentially, the question is, would we be able to disciple them? Would we be able to help them grow? And so uh, we need to have, we, as uh, people in the church, we, <laughs> we have to think about that question. Would I be able to help in that? Would I be able to partner together with one or two other new believers and uh, kind of shepherd them, direct them, help them grow in the faith uh, as they grow in the Christian life? We think about the Apostle Paul, how he described his ministry at one time as a nurturing mother, uh, cherishing, taking care of her newborn children. Right? That's the idea of discipleship. We're helping people new in the faith grow up in the faith. And so the Proverbs really reminds us where that starts, how we can have wisdom to be able to do that. So I think that question is helpful to think about. Uh, and it's challenging to think about, too. Would I be able to do that? If the answer is no, uh, there's no shame in that, per se, but if you want to be able to do that and you don't think you're able to do that right now, uh, let's talk about that. I think we have possibilities for how we can grow in that. And uh, I'll just kind of lay it out. This is kind of a tangent, but here's what I would do in that situation. Let's say 50 people became saved over the next year. Um, I've kind of been working through this and doing a discipleship group kind of thing over the past year or so with, um, well, it's been with Austin and David Dukes has uh, joined us and then uh, we've uh, brought in another friend. And so, yeah, we get together every week and we, we basically just uh, keep each other accountable to read the Bible together, to talk about the Bible, to talk about are we growing in holiness and Kind of what the challenges of each week are and kind of talk through those and support each other and pray together. Pray not just for each other, pray for people who need the Lord. So we keep that focus on reaching out as well to others. And so really that's, uh, it's a simple way. It's not the only way, but it's a simple way to, to be able to help people to grow. And so 
Um, that would be kind of the direction I think would be very scalable and helpful if we were to have this explosion of a lot of people. But we would need, we would need people to be involved in those, to be able to help uh, in those groups. So, uh, again, if, if you think, uh, hey, I want to see that happen, but I don't know exactly what that would look like, I, maybe the first step is, hey, just get involved in one of those groups. Come talk to me. We'll make it happen. <laughs> it would mean probably forming new groups, but that would be good too. So we'd be uh, growing ourselves. It's not just preparing for the future. It's growing right now, right, in our faith, but also thinking about how we can uh, make sure we are involved in that process of making disciples. And so this is what the Proverbs is talking about. If we need wisdom, if we need instruction, if we need to grow, right, it says that if you're wise— you can still increase in your wisdom and in your knowledge and in your knowledge of the Lord. It says if you're young, uh, whether you're physically young, whether you're uh, young in the faith, whether you are, um, uh, have been a Christian a long time but haven't grown to the, the level where maybe you would want to, right? That these Proverbs help us grow to that next point. They help us mature in the faith. We see that this is where we have the wisdom. And again, where does it all come from? This points to one thing. It starts with the fear of the Lord. And so if we need to know more about a topic, more about, hey, what does God say about this or that? Just more about God in general. Proverbs says that prudence, knowledge, wisdom, it all starts with the fear of the Lord. Uh, when we are trying to reach our children or grandchildren, right? What do they need? They need instruction. They need wisdom. But they get that through the fear of the Lord. And so that's, that's a way to pray, right? I know most of you are not raising children right now, but you have children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren. It's a way to pray for them. Pray that they would not only have knowledge, have wisdom, but grow in the fear of the Lord, because that's the foundation of these things. And so, as we begin, we always want to think, we need this. We need the fear of the Lord. What is that? What is the fear of the Lord? And usually, when you're trying to define something, figure out what is this word or phrase mean. The best place to start is usually not by going to the dictionary. It's usually not by going to a commentary. The best place to start is usually to see what does the Bible say about this in other places? How does the Bible usually talk about this word, talk about this phrase? So it's good to look at the Bible and let the Bible define its own terms. How does the Bible talk about the fear of the Lord? It uses it several times. We won't look at all of them, but I want to look at several instances of this. Uh, so I'll start in Exodus 9.20. Uh, Exodus 9.20 is a place where we see the fear of the Lord, and we learn something about it. Exodus 9.20 says this. Then, this is during the plagues on Egypt. Then whoever feared the word of the Lord among the servants of Pharaoh hurried his slaves and his livestock into the houses. But whoever did not pay attention to the word of the Lord 
left his slaves and his livestock in the field. This is during the plague of hail. Uh, but just notice how it talks about the fear of the Lord, but specifically connects it to the fear of the word of the Lord. And so there's this connection between hearing the word of God and obeying it. And you'll find that very consistently, almost all the time when the Bible talks about the fear of the Lord, it connects it to obedience, to obeying the commands of God. Uh, and it's because you believe something about God, right? Some of the Egyptians had realized this is the true God. We need to do what he says. Even if they weren't going to leave Egypt and follow him, they still understood he's real and he's really doing this to us, right? So they feared the Lord. They obeyed what he said. Uh, I'm going to go through several of these, so I'll try to touch on them. But Numbers 14, 9, we also see an instance of this. This is actually... Uh, it doesn't say specifically the fear of the Lord, but you'll see how we learn something about fear from this. 14.9, Numbers 14.9. This is when the spies had gone out and come back, and they're deciding whether they're going to go into the land, the promised land or not. Numbers 14.9. Only do not rebel against the Lord, and do not fear the people of the land, for they are bred for us. Their protection is removed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. And so, again, it doesn't specifically say the fear of the Lord, but there's this contrast presented between the fear of man, there in Numbers 14, 9, and the fear of the Lord. Are you going to follow the influence of the people, or are you going to follow what God said? Uh, and so we see there something about fear. Fear is what controls us in a very real sense. I've given this illustration before, uh, but it's helpful. I'm afraid of snakes. <laughs> and so if I see a snake, my fear of snakes is going to control how I act in that situation, uh, right? I'm not gonna get very close to it. I'm not gonna touch it, uh, even when I kill it, because that's what I'm going to do. Even when I kill it, I'm still not going to touch it. I'm gonna pick it up with a shovel or something else. That fear of Snakes is going to influence what I do in that situation. Well, that's a simple example, but it kind of reminds us that fear has that impact. Uh, fear controls what we do in a situation. And so fear of people means that we're going to act a certain way around them and try to please them. Fear of the Lord means we're going to act a certain way in life and try to please him. And that's going to be what influences <coughs> us. So we see that here in Numbers 14, 9, that concept of what fear is. And really, again, we see obedience to the Lord as well. Deuteronomy 6, 1 through 2. Uh, this is, well, let me read it. Deuteronomy 6, 1 through 2. Now this is the commandment, the statutes and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you. This is Moses speaking. That you may do them in the land to which you are going over to possess it. That you may fear the Lord, your God, you and your son and your son's sons. So not just you, but generation after generation. By keeping all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you all the days of your life. And that your days may be long. And so what do we see here? That the fear of the Lord, again, leads to obedience. 
Uh, you could even say that there's something about obeying the word of the Lord that then leads to more fear of the Lord. Uh, we see that he's teaching them the commands of God so that they would fear the Lord and obey him. So it's, it's almost this circular pattern, right? We, we fear the Lord and we obey him. And as we obey him, we, we fear him more. We, and then we obey him more and we keep having this circular pattern where we drill down deeper and deeper into a relationship and love of the Lord. And so that's Deuteronomy 6, 1 through 2. We see the connection there. That fear of the Lord, not exactly the same thing as obedience, but closely connected. Uh, I was going to look at Deuteronomy 8, 6. I'll skip that one for time's sake. But it also talks about this obedience and fear of the Lord connection. Psalm 33, verse 8. This gets a little more at um, conceptually what the fear of the Lord is. Psalm 33, verse 8. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. And so this is a parallel statement. Uh, you could almost say it's like a simile it's like the psalmist is equating the fear of the Lord with standing in awe of him. That's kind of his further explanation. He wants all the world to fear the Lord. Well, what does that mean? It means they stand in awe of him. And so if you wanted a, a definition, that's probably pretty close to the definition that we see in the Bible, a strict definition. What is the fear of the Lord? Standing in awe of him. And so that, that includes a lot of things. It includes this uh, reverence towards the Lord that we often hear when we talk about the fear of the Lord. It includes a, uh, some aspects of fear because we're in awe of how great and powerful he really is. But it's in awe of him as we stand there and just see his glory, more and more of his glory, and are amazed by it. And that awe of God is what then leads us to follow him, to obey, to want to know him more, and to then grow in wisdom, as Proverbs talked about. Uh, one more specifically about the fear of the Lord. This is Proverbs 8.13. So back to the book of Proverbs. Proverbs 8.13 says this. The fear of the Lord is hatred of evil. So that's a pretty clear statement. The fear of the Lord is hatred of evil, pride and arrogance and the way of evil and perverted speech I hate. And so the fear of the Lord is not just being in awe of God, not just obeying him, but is also feeling a certain way about sin, not uh, still desiring sin. It's not like we're following God, but we're still being tugged another direction. If, if that's the case, and we know that for most of our life, we still are tugged in different directions by temptations, right? Then that means we still have ways we can grow in the fear of the Lord. Because if we're still being tugged towards sin, if we still desire 
evil in some way, as this proverb tells us, then we still see that there's room to grow in fear of the Lord. And so fear of the Lord is uh, obeying the Lord, but also not wanting to do evil, <laughs> realizing that it's, it's a perversion of what is right. It's not good, and it's, uh, it's distorted. I was contemplating this. Uh, it's not really a developed thought, but, you know, at Halloween, people are kind of obsessed with things that are distorted, right? Even in just costumes, right? The face is kind of distorted and things like that. And people like those things and are drawn towards those things. Um, but as Christians, when we think about life and spiritual life, we want to not be drawn towards the distorted things. We want to be drawn towards the reality of what God is really like. Because sin is, for the most part, it's a distortion. It's not completely wrong. It has that little sliver of truth, even as Satan, you know, tempted Adam and Eve in the garden as he deceived Eve. There was a, there was a sliver of truth. You're not really going to die if you eat this fruit, right? But that was distorted. It wasn't the exact truth. It wasn't the whole truth. And that's often how... Uh, we are deceived. And so we want to see that distortion for what it is and not be drawn to it. That's what the fear of the Lord, as this verse describes it, is. And so to close, uh, I think it's good to look at Proverbs chapter 2. And these are the benefits, so to speak, of the fear of the Lord. Really, all of Proverbs chapter 2 speaks of the goodness of fearing the Lord and the goodness of the wisdom that comes from it. But I'll just read verses 1 through 6 as we draw to a close today. So Proverbs 2, verses 1 through 6. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, yes, if you call out for insight, and raise your voice for understanding. If you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. And so we see this uh, beautiful statement that God gives wisdom. We need these things. That's how we started. We need wisdom. We need more wisdom, more understanding. What are we going to do in these situations that keep coming up in life? God gives wisdom, and we will fear the Lord more and more when we seek after his wisdom and commandments. It's a reminder of what James says, right? If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all graciously, generously, and without reproach. And so these are the, the goodnesses, the, the benefits, you could say, of fearing the Lord, of seeking after the fear of the Lord and the wisdom of the Lord. So we need these things. Uh, we need this wisdom. We need this fear of the Lord. And as we look at the book of Proverbs, it's fitting to start there because really everything comes back to this idea, the fear of the Lord. So may we grow in standing in awe of the Lord and being shaped in all that we do by that awe and obeying his commands. 
Uh, let's pray together this morning. Father God, we are thankful for your word. We are thankful for the reminder of the fundamentals that this is the foundation of our life, to fear the Lord. So many times uh, life throws challenges at us and situations where we wonder, what am I going to do? What do I need to do? What should I say in this situation? What's the best thing to do moving forward? And Lord, you give us the foundation in that. You tell us that it starts with the fear of the Lord. And that as we are guided by that, by being in awe of you, by obeying you, that all of these other things, uh, that we grow in wisdom, we grow in what it looks like to follow you in all of life. And Lord, we need that. We pray that you will do that in all of us, that we will grow in wisdom today and as we continue to look at these Proverbs, as we continue to look at your word. And Lord, we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.